Today, however, we're looking at Christian meditation. Christian meditation. It's a much understated and a much uh, not spoken about grace that God has given us, but it's, it, it, it is something which we must value. And it's, uh, it, can do us, it can have a great sanctifying effect upon our life. Now, Christian meditation is not any ordinary meditation. You do have... Uh, meditation, which is quite popular, and you might have heard of it, called mindfulness. Very popular within the council movement in the UK. Many counsellors use it. It's steeped in Buddhism, steeped in Eastern uh, religion. Uh, it's really, it's all about getting uh, right with God from looking within, really. And actually, it's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel, you look from without yourself. You look to Christ who can save you. And so uh, it's not a hypnotic thing. Uh, there is not confusion with it. And so it's, it's the opposite of Christian meditation. The psalmist says in Psalm 104, 30, uh, 34, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Oftentimes, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to employ this most blessed means of grace that can sweeten up our day, can't it? That can make our busy, hectic, modern lives in the West, it can really sweeten it up. And we often see how uh, our forebears, Christian forebears, how they would meditate upon God's works and His testimonies of old, and how that would sweeten up their day and encourage them to persevere in the battle. And so by meditating upon the things of Christ and the things of eternity, it can give us real perspective in life, heavenly perspective. How often do we need to put things into heavenly perspective? That we may ponder the weightier matters of eternity. And so often we, our vision can be clouded, can't it? by carnal things, by secular things. And really, we need to make sure and ask for that grace that we can spend time throughout the day in Christian meditation, deep thought of the things of eternity. Thomas Watson, if you're familiar with him, the non-conformist Puritan, said of meditation, meditation is the soul's secluding, it's the soul secluding itself that by a serious and solemn thinking upon God, the heart may be raised up to heavenly affections. If God's most precious word is indeed sweet to our lips like honey, then serious meditation upon it will press the honey out of the comb to energize us, won't it? That's what it does. Because unless we digest God's word and think upon God's word, what good is it going to do us? And that's hence we see much normal Christianity. 
Uh, it must be digested. We must press the honey out the comb so it does us good, that we taste the sweetness of it, as it were. And so today's study is not an exhaustive study on meditation, but rather it's a means of grace to combat those besetting sins, those, those inbred sins within our lives. It says in 1 Timothy 4.15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. We are not to neglect the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has put within us. He has given us His Holy Spirit. We often need to quietly think upon God's Word and His works, don't we? We need to feed the Holy Spirit. It's holy. It needs feeding. It needs to think upon eternity. If indeed the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts, as it says in Hebrews 4.12, then we need to make use of this discovered treasure by serious contemplation and meditation upon God's Word, upon His testimonies, upon His salvation, put the helmet of salvation on. Um, and so we often we need to think upon these things, the deep, meaningful things in life, the purposes, the true meaning and purpose in life. And so with that in mind, I'd like us to consider the following three points on Christian meditation and what it brings. Firstly, Christian meditation brings spiritual rest. It brings spiritual rest. Secondly, Christian meditation uh, strengthens a believer. It strengthens a believer. Thirdly, Christian meditation gives a heavenly viewpoint. It puts things into perspective, doesn't it? And so let us look at our first point, that Christian meditation brings spiritual rest to a believer. It says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. You know, many... There's, there's, we don't have much time, do we, <laughs> in our culture to be still. But a Christian needs to take time to be still. When we come into God's house, uh, there is time, quiet time, to reverent, have that reverential awe of God and His Word. And how we come into God's house and we approach uh, with fear, reverential awe of God is important. In the morning, having that uninterruptible quiet time with the Lord, in His Word, dwelling upon His Word, thinking upon His Word. David, in the Psalms, often in the evening, upon his couch and bed, pondered of the Lord, uh, mused on the things of the Lord, on the, on the commandments of the Lord. And this is what true believers do. And so during the busyness of the day, uh, do we, by God's sovereign grace, put time aside to refresh and to seriously think and muse upon the things of God? Psalm 1 gives a clear distinction, doesn't it, between the righteous and the wicked. And David says in verse 1 concerning a believer, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. A true believer in Christ spends time to think upon the things of God. There is self-examination there. Um, am, I, am I applying uh, my day, my life, uh, to the pattern of Scripture? Am I conforming my life to how God wants me to live it? Am I applying it to every part of my life? And so we need to take seriously uh, God's Word and apply it 
to our lives. Spurgeon said concerning meditation, it is the couch of the soul. It is the couch of the soul. It is a means of grace to combat indwelling sin because it locks and bolts the door against the world, doesn't it? We say, this is your time now, Lord. I'm bolting myself against the world. I've spent enough time this day. I've had a, and now I'm spending time with you, Lord. I'm going to think and dwell and meditate upon your word. And so we need to give the Holy Spirit within us rest, as it were, and take our minds off the things. The Holy Spirit is holy and needs to spend time. That's why the Lord Jesus went off to a mountain and spent time with his Father God. Co-equal with God, spending that time uh, with his Father. The Holy Spirit within a believer desires rest from secular business and activities, and so that it may be refreshed and encouraged in spiritual truths and in pure thoughts and in wholesome thoughts. As it says in Philippians 4:8, whosoever think, whoso, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. How often does the devil come into our minds? We're bombarded, aren't we, all around us by perverseness. And imagery, and all around us, it's all around us, friends, dearly beloved. But the Christian is to think upon pure, honest, just, lovely, good things found in God's Word. They need to go deep within us. And so when we come to reading God's Word, or when we're under God's Word, what we need to do is we need to apply it, think upon it, dwell upon it, and, and chew it and digest it so that it does us good. When we give ourselves by God's grace to heartfelt meditation, let it be done in a solitary place, a quiet place, an uninterrupted place. And sometimes if it's early in the morning, it's better to wake up a bit earlier uh, before the busyness and the hecticness of the day starts, to have that quiet time with the Lord. Jesus meditated uh, alone in the mount. John the Baptist in the desert. David upon his bed and couch. Daniel in his house, Isaac in the field. We see this pattern right throughout Scripture, don't we? And so when it comes to having a daily quiet time with the Lord, in prayer and in His Word, do we meditate and do we take it seriously and digest it so that it can do us rest? We do ourselves a huge disfavor if we just rush through God's Word. If we don't think and meditate and pray over God's Word, uh, it will give us rest and help throughout the day. If it's just a head knowledge, an, inter an intellectual ascent, as it's sad to say we see so much in Christianity today, an intellectual ascent, it will do us no good. You can know as much doctrine in the world, and I've known people that have had vast libraries of doctrine, and yet they know very little of how to apply God's word. And the sad reality is because they don't use and take God's word seriously and meditate and think upon it. Many a theologian will secretly pride himself within the vast library collected or the unsurmountable books read 
ever learning and never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Spurgeon said, uh, said, he is not the best student who reads the most books, but he who meditates upon them. And is not he that hears the most sermons who will find heavenly rest, but he who by God's grace meditates and seriously thinks upon those truths. In other words, takes them to heart, who is serious over them, sincere over them, with the whole heart, giving God, God, God not just the scraps of it to his time, but the best time, as it were. And so, you know, often you can tell where someone is, spiritually speaking, in how they prepare uh, for worship, and how they prepare to meet with the Lord. Is there a reverential fear? Do they come before the Lord, uh, not with uh, hearing men's words, but God's? These are God's words. These words are more precious than the gold. I need to come. I'm presenting myself before the King of Kings. Now, these are not my words. These are God's words. And so, that's how we approach God, in the same manner. If how, if how we uh, prepare, sorry, is your heart fixed upon God, or do you allow worldly distractions to enter in? When we come to God's house, is there a reverential awe, or do we prepare our hearts? Do we come before time? You know, I... Sometimes you see people rushing in at the last minute, as it were, unprepared and talking and doing all these things, where I do believe that true believers, they come, prepare their hearts. There's a reverential fear. The same with the quiet time or family devotional time. There's that solemnness there. We're meeting with God now. We're protecting us. This is God's time now. And we're zealous over it. And that, that's what we must do. And so I'm so encouraged when I see believers taking time to make ready their souls to receive the King of Kings' words. I'm so encouraged when I see believers coming, sitting quietly, preparing their hearts to worship the one true God. And those who will know of spiritual rest in their lives will oftentimes be meditating and solemnly thinking upon God's word and upon Christ, upon his ways, his testimonies, his promises. These are great encouragement to us, aren't they? We think upon the promises of God. Men's promises can fail us, but the promises of God are sure, aren't they? The testimonies of old, when we read about Isaac and Jacob and Abraham, and how they conquered by faith, and David, and we, we meditate upon those, and it gives us fresh courage, doesn't it? Now let's move on to our second point in today's Bible study, and, that's, uh, uh, and that is uh, Christian meditation and how it strengthens a believer. How it strengthens a believer. It says in Psalm 19.14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. When we meditate upon the Lord God with our whole heart, it gives us fresh strength, doesn't it? We're reminded of eternal uh, things. Uh, we're reminded that when we're His, we're saved, we've been bought with a great cost. And so when we think and we meditate upon the works of God and upon His salvation, it fetches fresh courage and resolve in the spiritual warfare, doesn't it? And that's why, that's why David can say in Psalm 
1.19.99 I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation, because he thinks upon them. The Lord has given an understanding of, of himself. And that's a truth of scripture, that we're given understanding of ourselves, don't we? We understand our depravity and our great need of him, to spend time with him, to cultivate those things in our life, to get that strength from God's word, to think upon those things. If we do not take time to seriously comprehend, excuse me, <clears throat> and think and meditate in the truths of scripture, that we will, we will really be struggling. I may have knowledge of how to prune a tree, um, but do I have knowledge of how to go about actually practically doing that, actually applying that, so that that tree may be fruitful? And that's the same with meditation. I may know God's word, I might have an intellectual assent to God's word, but am I chewing it? Am I digesting it? Am I applying it? Am I meditating upon it? so that it can bear forth fruit in my life? Am I praying and crying over it and asking God for grace and help? You know, it made me laugh. Uh, me and my wife, whenever we go, uh, we went to the doctors and, uh, and we say, well, this is, well, well, tell, us, tell us the symptoms, give the symptoms, and they say, ah, okay, right, let's just look on Google, and then go on to Google, and start typing on Google, I said, well, we could have done that at home. <laughs> I could have typed that on at home. You think, and sad to say, many up-and-coming doctors, they're not what they used to be. It's all about Googling it. And so what they're learning, and you can see that with the up-and-coming generation, it's not being applied. And the same can be said of Christianity. It must be experiential. We, we, we apply God's word. We think about it. We take it seriously. If we desire to profit and be strengthened by God's word, do we quietly consider and meditate how to best apply doctrine and, and the truths of scripture to our lives? If we do that, it will have a sanctifying effect upon our lives in combating indwelling sin and a defense uh, against those pitfalls in life. A perfect example of this is in Psalm 101, verses 3, where it says, where David, the psalmist says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And so just an example of this. How would we go about applying a passage of Scripture like this? When we read this particular passage of Scripture, how would we apply it? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Well, if we've got a TV, and I suggest that we don't, but of course, if you do have a TV, what good thing can be found on your TV sets? Think about the commandments. Think about, if, if God's word says, thou shalt not covet. If it says, thou shalt not uh, take in vain God's holy name. Uh, look at what's on TVs. The perverseness, how, some people, how, how perverseness, the language, the blasphemy, uh, I would say, you watch your TV for two minutes and you'll see a wicked thing. Even in the adverts, uh, it's full of wickedness. And so how do we apply God's word? What about TV games? Do we allow our children to play TV games with the violence in them, with the supernatural things within them? And again, this is another big, big thing that how do we expect 
if, if we uh, allow our children to play TV games, they come in and they're playing TV games, they, they're seeing supernatural things, and yet they come and hear a supernatural gospel. And so it waters down the gospel, the supernatural gospel. They've been blasted with action movies and cartoons and supernatural things. And then when they hear a supernatural gospel, it waters it down. So they lose the awe, the, the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, that he can walk on water. You see, do we apply God's word? Do we think upon how we must do this as believers? And I, Please don't think I'm pointing my finger at anyone here because there's three fingers pointed back at me. I've learned the hard way through these things as my Christian walk. We could all be deceived and then there is a sanctification process in life. But we must take seriously God's word when it comes to these things. It will have a sanctifying effect upon your life and my life. Christian meditation strengthens a believer because it raises the heart to holy affections. There is a putting aside of worldly business to engage in holy business, in heavenly business, in eternal business, in treasures that will last forever, that are builded in heaven and not upon earth. There is a putting aside of worldly things for heavenly things. And when we do this, there is a self-examination. We examine uh, George Whitfield, the famous evangelist, and when he came to the end of the day, it was said of him, he used to think upon all his sins, all the things, he, sinful things he thought of, and he'd write them down, and he would pray over them and ask God's grace and help. Such was that, that mighty man of God used. He meditated. He took them seriously. And I think this, this is a grace which is not much spoken of because it's been hijacked by Buddhism and by, uh, you know, by secularism, all these things. But we need to take these truths to heart. Christian meditation. It says in Psalm 119.59, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I thought on my ways. I acknowledged that often I can get it wrong. I can get it wrong. You can get it wrong. We can be deceived every day, dear friends. We need to think and meditate upon the day. We need to think in the morning. Uh, raise up on, on eagles' wings, as it were, and have that viewpoint, as it were, that heavenly viewpoint. I turn my feet unto thy testimonies, thinking upon those saints of old, thinking upon the promises of old, and thinking upon how can I, that help me today? How can it help me overcome these burdens, these things in my life? It says in Joshua 1 and 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want to grow as a believer? Truly grow. Take God's word seriously. Take thinking and praying to God seriously. Take the means of grace, which we've, we've, taken, we've spoken about in this, this series, seriously. Take them seriously and cultivate those things in, in your life and God will bless you. He promises so. Let us now look and move on to our third and final point, which is, Christian, which is how Christian meditation brings a heavenly viewpoint. It brings heavenly perspective. Remember, when things get over your head, remember that you're under his feet. 
He is sovereign. Christ is sovereign in our lives, isn't he? And how often do we need to employ this most beautiful grace of Christian meditation that we may be given heavenly perspective in the things which truly matter. We need to contemplate the things of eternity, the heavenly things. This world's going to be burnt up, isn't it? And only that which is done for Christ is going to last. And so we need to give ourselves, it will give us a heavenly viewpoint, an eternal viewpoint. And that's why King David can say in Psalm 119, 92, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have then perished in mine affliction. He says, unless thy law had been my delights, he would have perished in his affliction. How we need to study God's law. You know, there is this false, uh, false uh, narrative that is going out there that uh, we're under liberty and grace. And yes, we are under liberty. We who are believed and saved of God. But that liberty should give us a greater love of the law. You know, and that's the sad thing we see in Christianity today. The liberty that we're given should make us delight more in the law. We think more highly of the law. Because we're in Christ, uh, the God, Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law in himself. So we, we delight in it, we think upon these things. Thou shalt not kill, for instance. How do I not kill if I lose my temper? I can hurt someone from within. I, I can wish them out of the way. Do we think upon these things, meditate upon these, chew and digest these things? It will give us a heavenly viewpoint if we're serious over these things. When we're traveling or walking outside of our home, houses, um, out and about as it were, if we're in the car, uh, do we consider, meditate, do we look upon the hills where we have sunshine upon our cheeks or wind uh, against our hair? Do we think about the spirit? Do we think about the might of God who created the hills? Do we look upon the hills? There's so many illustrations, isn't there, throughout Scripture. Do we think upon these things? Or do we allow our minds to drift off with all types of fancies throughout the day? We must cultivate these things in our lives. We must think upon those providences of God. The providences with our eyes and our senses. They, they're given of God. They don't belong to us. Our eyes... Our hearts, our minds, what we smell, what we hear, what we feel, these are mercies. And so we need to bring to remembrance uh, these things in our hearts. And we can say with David, can't we, in Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4, When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And you can just imagine David in the eastern, in the in the east, with that beautiful, that beautiful sky, all those stars, that clear Middle Eastern sky, looking up, seeing those stars, and just in awe of God's might and God's power, but also of God's condescension to him. That although he is so great, that he is mindful of someone like David. And that will have a humbling effect upon our lives, won't it? Where wherever we go, and I, I just want to say, um, I'm not saying that we're not, we're not, uh, you know, we're, of course we can be vulnerable to sinful attacks by the devil, sinful thoughts, temptations. Of course we can. We, we, we all have the old nature within us still, the old man, 
But we need to understand that. And the more we meditate upon that and say, I don't want to feed the old man. I don't want to think upon the things the old man used to. I don't want to give myself to the old man. I want to, I want to feed the new man, Christ in me. I want to feed him. And so don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching perfectionism here. Because we all get it wrong. We can all have those simple. The devil can do that. But let us cultivate these things in our life. Let us, uh, when sinful thoughts come into our mind, let us cast them out in the name of Christ and think upon pure, holy, wholesome things. And God will bless us. Is this true? It is true, isn't it? That when we become a Christian, we behold the world in new eyes. Behold, all things become new. We're like a newborn babe in Christ. The scales have dropped from the eyes. We see uh, the world through different eyes now. There's a change. The scales have dropped. It's no longer about living for worldly pursuits, living for self anymore. We live for the Lord Jesus. We live for the eternal matters, permanent matters. We consider and meditate upon the things of eternity, the things that will last, not the temporary things anymore. Remember the prodigal son in Luke 15, 17, when he said, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. When he came to himself, when he thought upon his actions, he had rebelled from the good government of his father. And there's a picture, isn't it, where someone rebelling from God, uh, giving themselves to the creature, uh, living in righteous living, and of course it brings them to eat pig's food. They end up, as it were, distraught, sad, empty, void of everything in their life, until they come to themselves by God's Holy Spirit and realise uh, how, how sinful they've been. That happened to me. That happened to many, of course, of us here. Hasn't it? We've understood. We thought deeply. Remember, when the Lord first convicted you of your sin, and you thought deeply upon it by God's grace and spirit, and then you considered God, that joy came pouring in, that light came pouring in, and God saved you. Then you thought, then we, how, how fervently did we read God's word then? How fervently did we think seriously upon God's word then? We need to get back to those things. You know, often we need to repent over our repentance. And get back to basics, don't we? We need to get back to basics, friends. We do. And so, beloved of the Lord, if you want heavenly perspective in your life, make sure not to neglect the grace, the beautiful grace of Christian meditation. It will have a sanctifying effect upon your life. When our, our antagonistic culture and wicked systems do their utmost, oppose a Christian's righteous causes, do we give in, or do we, as the psalmist does in Psalm 119, verse 78, and put things into heavenly perspective, when he says, let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. I will meditate in thy precepts. And so when we have so much hostility against us, dear friends, the dark clouds often uh, overcome our circumstance. Then we need faith to look beyond those dark clouds, to Christ, to the promises of God, the words of God. And so to conclude, let us never forget to spend regular, daily, precious moments 
seriously contemplating the things of Jesus Christ, the things of eternity, the salvation, the great cost of what he has done for us, his word, his works, his testimonies, and uh, it will give us well-needed spiritual rest for our souls. It will strengthen us and give us fresh resolve and courage to persevere in the Christian warfare. And it will give us a heavenly viewpoint, a heavenly perspective, perspective for eternal matters. And so that we can know of the truths mentioned in Isaiah 40.31, which reads, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings on eagles, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not, be, uh, not faint. Lord, dear friends, let us take these truths to heart, and they will have a sanctifying effect upon our lives. Amen.